Pastor Xavier Reese and an important look at the life of the Savior. The fact that the Son of Man was the one who was tempted, the first thing we want to acknowledge is that Jesus could not have sinned or he could not have been our Redeemer. Second thing we want to acknowledge is that if Jesus could not have been tempted, he would not have been man of paradox. Yet both are true. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If God cannot sin, then how could Jesus' temptation be real? That's one of the topics Pastor Xavier explores during today's Simple Truths study. Take a moment and get your Bible as we explore the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke during today's lesson, The Temptation of Jesus, Part 1. Here's Pastor Xavier with today's look at the Word of God. We want to ask four questions about the temptation of Jesus. First, how was Jesus tempted? Second, why did Jesus have to be tempted? Third, who was tempted? Fourth, what were the weapons of Jesus to resist the temptation? We are told... And we're to understand that Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Don't miss that. In every area, level, and way, and manner of temptation that might come and by which man can and will forever be tempted, Jesus was tempted. So that no one can say, you don't understand, Jesus. Why? Did Jesus have to be tempted? First, to demonstrate that the first Adam did not have to fail. Adam was created in the state of innocence with a free will. He was given direct commands. He had the capacity to obey or disobey. The consequences affected the entire human race. Romans 5.12 says, Sin passed by one man, and through sin, death passed to all men. He was a federal head for the human race. Each person has the same choice through Christ now. So you can't blame Adam anymore. You have a decision to make. Jesus is called the last Adam in contrast to the first Adam. The first man is of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven, 1 Corinthians 15, 47. So the first man, Adam, was in a state of innocence with a free will. The second man, Jesus, was just like the first Adam with a free will. So you can say Jesus is the second man, but never the second Adam. Okay? There's only the first and the last Adam. The first man, Adam, of the earth. The second man, from heaven, God became man. John 1, 14. Now... The second reason is to show us that we too can overcome and resist Satan and his emissaries and temptations who can transform themselves into angels of light, as 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15 tells us. We will see that as Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness, it is a testimony to us that we have no excuse for failing. I am not teaching 
that we're going to reach some point of perfectionism or sinlessness. That's not what the Bible teaches. It'll never happen. But that we have no excuse or justification for our sin because we will see that Jesus resisted and overcame Satan as man, depending on the Father for our example, never using his deity as God. Now, the third reason is to destroy the work of the devil. 1 John 3 eight tells us that. The devil has sinned from the beginning. The entire human race has fallen due to Satan's deception of Eve. The entire human race has brought on itself corruption and destruction. When you're a Christian, you see it clearly. Before, you say, well, I know, well, you have your own little philosophy. But once you're a Christian, Genesis chapter 3 makes all the sense in the world. It explains the world, why it is the way it is. It's in nature. The devil has sought to entice man to sin from the beginning. Those who reject the gospel remain deceived and slaves of sin. Those who put their trust in Jesus are freed, no longer being slaves of sin. Even though they still have sin nature, they don't have to be subject or controlled by it. But the fourth reason is to prove that Jesus was Messiah, to prove his Messiahship. Jesus said, the ruler of this world comes and he has nothing in me in John 14, 30. Nothing in me. There was nothing to control Jesus. There was nothing to accuse him. He was sinless. There Jesus faced Satan, literally. It was face to face, one on one. These are a few of the reasons why Jesus had to be tempted. The third question is, who was tempted? The objection by some to Jesus having resisted the temptations is that he did it as God. But he was God. That is why he could resist and did what he did. And they use that as an excuse for them that they can't resist sin, even as believers. They're wrong. Remember, Jesus is the last Adam, the second man, just like the first Adam and the first man, identical. Jesus came to undo the mess of the first Adam. Therefore, we come to the important question of who was tempted. Was it the Son of God or was it the Son of Man? Remember, Jesus had two natures, a divine nature, a human nature, yet without sin. He's 100% God and 100% man. Okay? Two natures. The Son of God speaks of his deity. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.20, Luke 1.31 and 32 are very clear. He knew no sin, yet he was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2.22. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Isaiah 53.5. In him was no sin. 1 John 3.5. It's very clear that he was God. Speaking of his deity. James tells us that God cannot be tempted with evil. James 1.13. Absolutely cannot be tempted with evil. Paul tells us that Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. In Hebrews 7.26. So the Son of God could not have been the one 
that was tempted in the temptations. The Son of Man speaks of his humanity as man. Both Matthew and Luke tell us that the appeal was addressed to the Son of God in Luke 4.3 and also Matthew 4.3. The repeated phrase, if you are the Son of God, there in verse 3, is affirming, not doubting that he was the Son of God. The word if in this context means since, and it should be translated that way, since, since you are the Son of God, do these three things. Satan was attempting to get Jesus as God, to defeat him as God, which would have nullified the plan. For God to resist and defeat Satan is no big deal. He's all-powerful, the creator of Satan, who was a cherub in the angelic order. Jesus as God will defeat Satan one day, confining him to the lake of fire. And by the way, it was created for him and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. But notice, though the testing was addressed, since you be the son of God, Jesus answered, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God in verse 4. To show that the first Adam did not have to fail and that he, the last Adam, would not fail. To show that every person redeemed does not have to fail. We can defeat the temptations. There is no sin, again, in being tempted, only in giving in to the temptation. Some Christians think that they're evil because they get bad thoughts or they're always, oh, I just, you know, and they think that some way they're, they're going to get to a place where they, they, it's gone. Let me tell you, even when you don't have those thoughts, you're evil already. Let me clear it up. Okay? Jesus said to his disciples in Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So let's settle it. Whether you have bad thoughts, good thoughts, you're evil anyway. Is that clear? Okay? That's why you need to be redeemed. Sin nature. It has been said that um, you cannot stop birds from flying over your head but you certainly can stop them from making a nest on top of it, right? So you need to bring your thoughts into captivity, as Paul tells the Corinthians, to the obedience of Christ. You need to not entertain those things that would take you away from God and to cater to your flesh or your vengeance or whatever it is. You need to bring them in captivity and call out to God and talk to God and go before the throne and plead for strength and wisdom and filling of the Spirit. That's what we need to do. The reason for Jesus confronting the devil as man was to show that Jesus, as second man, could resist. Jesus met Satan as the last Adam, the man from heaven. So Jesus came to demonstrate that the first Adam didn't have to fail but chose to fail. The last Adam would not fail. The last Adam came identical to the first Adam. The fact that the Son of Man was the one who was tempted leads us then to one very important question that must be asked that at first might sound sort of blasphemous. Could the Son of Man, as the last Adam, have failed 
as the first Adam fell. Remember, he was identical as the first Adam without sin nature prior to the fall. First thing we want to acknowledge is that Jesus could not have sinned or he could not have been a redeemer. Second thing we want to acknowledge is that if Jesus could not have been tempted, he would not have been man like the first Adam and therefore certainly could not be our representative. Agreed? These appear to be seemingly contradictory to each other, irreconcilable, a paradox, yet both are true. God has said that he has predestined those to be saved. Then he has the nerve to tell you to choose. Irreconcilable truths to an extent. We can understand to a certain extent and beyond that we don't. Now, but there, the majority of things we can understand to its full end as believers. But there's a few things that we, enough to put us in our place that we're not God. <laughs> our intellect falls short of some of God's truths. I can understand to a certain point and beyond that. I trust him because I understand so much that when the little that I don't understand, it doesn't bother me at all. If he was true to what I do understand, how can he not be true to what I don't understand? Now, was the temptation true and legitimate? The genuineness of the temptation is in the fact that there is a possibility of failure. Otherwise, if there was no possibility of failure, then there could not have been no real temptation for Jesus. No one is awarded a prize for being first in a race because there was no possibility of being second, third, or fourth, but only because there was that possibility. The temptation of Jesus was a like temptation to Adam's. Otherwise, it would be no temptation at all, and God has deceived us all, telling us there was a victory when in fact there was no victory because there was no real test. Are we agreed? You have to confront those questions. The divine nature did not partake of the temptation. Jesus defeated Satan, the enemy, as the man, the son of man, depending on the father, never using his deity to give you and I an example that it's possible and we have no excuse for our sin. All we can do is confess it and ask forgiveness. Are we agreed? <laughs> Therefore, Jesus, our Lord, was both not able to sin and able not to sin. You and I are able to sin and able not to sin as Christians also by the new nature. Yet we'll never be sinless, we'll never be perfect. You remember how difficult it was the first time you stole something, how your heart raced and beat? Your conscience just haunted you. But then after three, four, five, 10, 20, 100 times, you're a pro. You've callous your conscience. No big deal. It's gone. We are familiar with sin because we're sinners. We sin. But Jesus had no sin in himself. And he became sin for us. Jesus was sinless in the innocent state as the first Adam. Therefore, the testing and suffering Jesus' experience, because of being without sin, 
had to have been greater than any we experience as sinful men and women. Only when one resists to the end of a temptation does one fully know the power of that temptation. When we give in to a temptation shy of victory, we gave in prior to reaching the full extent of power of that temptation. Just as God knew that the first Adam would fail, God knew that the last Adam would not fail. But there was a real possibility. There had to be a real testing temptation. Otherwise, there was no real test, and God would have to deceive us. It's real simple. All products are tested to show evidence of their claim and genuineness, not to disprove them. The auto industry does not crash cars to prove that they're not safe. (laughs) They crash them to prove that they are safe. The Son of Man is the one who was tempted. Now, what were the weapons of Jesus to resist the temptation? You dare not neglect this or ignore this. Here's the key for all of us. First, the gospel tells us that at the baptism, a voice came from heaven in Luke 3.22 that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The first weapon of all is obedience. Obedience a weapon? Absolutely. Obedience is God's weapon against sin. If you can say no one time, you can say no a second time. Every time you say no to sin, it proves that you've depended on Christ, not your flesh. God desires nothing more than our full obedience to him. Remember, Samuel told Saul to obey is better than the sacrifice and the hearken of the fat of rams for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because he rejected God's word in 1 Samuel 15, 22. He kept some of the sheep and he kept the king alive. Second weapon, the evangelist Luke alone tells us that Jesus was praying as he was being baptized in chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. While he prayed, the heaven was open. Luke follows the prayer life of Jesus more than any of the evangelists. He's the only one that mentions that Jesus was praying at the baptism. Prayer speaks of dependency on God, obedience, readiness of obedience, and it speaks of direction from God to do his will. We are told many things in the scriptures about prayer. We are to pray to God as worship. We are to pray always without ceasing. We are to pray that we faint not. We are to pray in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making our requests unto God and many others. Now, the third weapon, the three synoptic gospels as well as John tells us that the spirit descended from heaven in the shape of a dove and abode upon him. The preposition upon is for power. Luke 24, 49, Acts 1, 5, and 8. That's what would be given to the church after the resurrection. If we are filled and driven by our flesh, we will tempt ourselves, and we will succumb to the temptations from Satan. Then and only then 
are we told by Mark that immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness in Mark 1.12 when the Spirit descended upon him. Then he drove him into the wilderness. Then Luke 4.14 tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Luke focuses very much on the filling and empowerment of the Spirit in the life of Jesus because he presents him as the Son of Man, 100% man. That is the reason why the believer is told by Paul to be, not be drunk with wine, wearing the success, but be filled with the Spirit of God, keep on keeping on a continual filling. There is never a time in the day that I can afford to not be filled with the Spirit of God. Fourth and last weapon, but not least, is the Word of God. Jesus said it was written, quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8.3, 6.13, and 6.16. The passages are from the wilderness journey of the children of Israel who failed their testing in the wilderness. Jesus in the wilderness of Judea down there. Apart from God's word, we have no control over our spirit and are as a city Without walls, open for destruction, Proverbs 25, 28 says. We are to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him, Psalm 119, 11. We are to pant after God as in our soul as a heart or a deer pants after the water brook, Psalm 42, 1. Without knowing the word of God, we will not be able to live spiritually, mature, develop, resist, or be conquerors. So many believers are destroyed because they just go to church and they don't know or study the Word of God. Or they put the Word of God in their brain, but not in their heart. Without knowing the Word of God, we will not know the mind or the will or the promises of God. The will of God is found in the Word of God. The Word of God was the fourth weapon that Jesus used. Now, let me give you some few things about the Word of God that I think are of top priority regarding the Word. Don't add to it. Don't alter it. Don't omit from it. And don't rip it out of its context. Very, very important. It will serve you well through the years of your walk with Christ. These are the weapons that Jesus used to resist and defeat the devil and the temptation. These four questions about the temptation of Jesus have given us insight into some very important observations that need to be understood. How was Jesus tempted? He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. So we can come to the throne of grace boldly in order to obtain mercy and grace in time of need. Why was Jesus needed to be tempted? He has given us the example and the pattern that man can overcome depending on him. Who was tempted? He was God, but being the son of man, he resisted Satan as man. What were the weapons of Jesus, the last Adam? Obedience, prayer, the filling of the Spirit, the Word of God. Man, what an incredible passage. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the eternal power of the Word of God, today on Simple Truths. By the way, today's message, The Temptation of Jesus, Part 1, is available on CD for only $4, and we'll be including everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is The Temptation of Jesus, Part 1, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make the request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Coming up next time, Pastor Xavier Reese has more on the three primary avenues by which Satan seeks to make inroads of our spiritual walk with God. You won't want to miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com